0: All right. Praise the Lord. We go live on Facebook for those who can't be here. Some are long distances away. Some are unable to drive. Almighty God's book that we call the Bible, His Word, is our guidebook. This is our guidebook for our lives. He has boundaries in that book that guide our actions, our behaviors, our speaking, and even our thinking, as we'll see today. He sets the limits for our own good, like any good parent. He says, here's where the boundaries are. And he made those borders as a blessing, and he blesses our obedience. Remember, it's written in 2 Timothy chapter 3... All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. And there's a lot of people that don't like reproof and correction these days, but it's there for that. For instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete. And man there means anyone, man or woman thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And I start this series, each message in this series, with that passage so that you can comprehend that what you're about to receive was inspired by God. It's His Word. All Scripture is beneficial for every man and every woman. It is written for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope and that's in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. And then in Hebrews chapter 4 we hear this for the word of <clears throat> of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart God's word is like a sword it will cut away all of those things that are not necessary in our lives if we stand before him with clean hands, if we show ourselves approved. We study to show ourselves approved. And this message is the third part in the series that I called Boundaries. And it began whenever my wife and I were at the ocean in New Jersey, not New Jersey, why am I saying New Jersey? Virginia. And I looked at the ocean and I said, this ocean is bounded by land. There are land masses all over the world, and this ocean is bounded by it. It has boundaries, and yet at times it exceeds those boundaries, and it erodes the beaches. That's not the point of this message. God's Word provides everything that we need to guide our lives. He even guides us, as I said, on what we are to think about. He gives us those boundaries for our thought life, Because they're important for us to comprehend, to understand, to stand under. His guidelines are for all times, especially turbulent times. So before we go on, I want us to pray. Heavenly Father, I I yield to you for your use. I am called by your name. You are the Lord God of hosts. Please give me unction to speak what we need to hear. Guide us through your word, Father. Please help us yield to you through Christ and overwrite any deception or false teaching that may have come upon us through our lives. Give us spiritual wisdom from above and clear and eliminate distractions. I thank you, Father, for cleansing us. I yield to you, to help me speak clearly and concisely. Please bless all who are within the sound of my voice. Let me say nothing more or less than what you want me to say. I pray, Father, for each one in this building and all who hear this message by other means, whether it be the audio recording or the Facebook Live recording or YouTube And God, I ask that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your truth. Open our eyes to see with spiritual discernment, I pray, and all of God's people said, amen. We're going to open to the fourth chapter in Paul's letter to the Philippians. You'll find that on page 1806. 1806. If you're interested in opening the Bible there in your seats, or this young lady will put it up on the screen for you, we're going to start with verse 6 and read through verse 9. It's a very short passage, and it gives strong instruction for what we are to think about. Now, some of you who've been attending church services most of your lives, or maybe all of your lives, you may have heard sermons on this passage before. But I think this is a message for God's people today. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 6, and this is what's written there. Be anxious for everything. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Nothing. Be anxious for nothing. And I have had, since I prepared this message, I have had to repeat that to myself more times than I like to admit. Be anxious for nothing. There's no exclusions there. Well, you can be anxious for this, but don't be anxious for that. The instruction is to be anxious for nothing, but in everything By prayer and supplication, reaching out to God with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble— Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. I trust that God will add His blessing to the reading and hearing of His Word. Who wants the God of peace to be with them? Me me. Me too, Thomas. You see, God's Word instructs us to keep our minds on these things so that we may have peace. Who's the one that made peace between us and God? Christ. God's Word instructs us to think about whatever is true, pure, right, and deserves praise. And as I read that, it came afresh to me. Because truth is in short supply these days. Falsehood's encouraged. It's celebrated. Falsehood is promoted. In fact, seeking, finding, and sharing the truth is greatly discouraged. It's criticized, and it's repressed inside and outside of the church. Preacher in the making. Perfected praise, God's word calls that. The Apostle Paul warns against false apostles, false brethren, and false accusers six times in his letters. Six times. He also repeated the command to not bear false witness, regardless of what that witness is. The truth is to prevail in our thinking. It's to prevail in our speaking. And it's to prevail in our actions. The truth. What sets us free? The truth sets us free. That's what our Lord said. The truth is supposed to prevail regardless of who is spreading falsehoods and deception. It doesn't matter where the falsehood comes from. It doesn't matter where the deception comes from. It doesn't matter if it's inside the church or if it's outside of the church. Regardless of where the falsehood or the deception comes from, we are to think on the truth. And now the falsehoods and deceptions are so many and so strong, it's almost impossible to get free from them. It's written in Exodus, chapter 23 and verse 7. Keep thee far from a false matter. Far. Now, in the context there in Exodus, it's speaking of bearing false witness. But we're to be like the psalmist who wrote, Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way, not some false ways, not many false ways, all false ways. One of the things that God hates among the seven that are listed in Proverbs chapter 6 is a lying tongue. God hates, hates. That's very strong, but that's what God says in His Word, He hates a lying tongue. What about a lying email or lying text message? Is that okay? Because it's not written in God's Word, right? After all, that's one of those little loopholes we can get through. It's not my tongue, Pastor. I I typed it or I shared it or I just passed it along. It wasn't even me. I didn't even write it. No. God hates the falsehood. The truth of any matter is one of our Creator's unchanging boundaries. It's a boundary. We operate within His boundaries. And one of His boundaries is that we be proclaimers of the truth. What did Christ call Himself? The truth. The way, the truth, and the life. The truth is to occupy our minds in such a way as to be considered meditation pondering contemplating thinking about and when you look at the root word it even means muttering or or speaking in a low tone so when you're reading you can read aloud and it's a point of contemplation christ is truth christ in you brings truth think about it think about it The next thing that's listed that we are to think about is whatsoever things are honest. You'd think they go together, right? Truth and honesty. This is also translated noble. These are things worthy of reverence. They're respectable. They're decent. They're upright. And what's the opposite of those things? That's what we're not supposed to think about those things that are indecent, the things that are not upright, the things that are disrespectful. We become what we think and believe, and if truth and honorable things are what we're thinking about, it strengthens our ability to become those things. If dishonorable things and falsehood occupy our thoughts, then what happens? We become those things. Honest or noble things proceed forth from true things. And so we see our minds will be occupied with truth and honesty. Romans chapter 13 is where we read, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. You see, it's dishonest to carry ourselves differently in a different setting Than we carry ourselves in this building. It's called hypocrisy. And that's something that God hates because it's a lie. He hates it. In fact, Christ himself criticized those who did that during his time. He criticized them the most. Christ is truth. Christ brings truth. He criticized those who walked falsely. He opposed those who had religion, but they lacked a true relationship with the Father. Oh, they said they had a relationship. They pretended they had a relationship. They even believed that they had a relationship. And I think that's what he criticized more than anything, because they falsely believed that they were his when, in fact, they were not. They proceeded to live their lives in sin. They pretended to be noble while hiding their sin under the cover of religion. Think about it. The next category to think about is whatsoever things are just. These are things that God considers just, righteous, fair, equal, balanced. You think about justice. You think about the, the justice of, an, of a scale being proper. So they used to weigh the silver or weigh the gold in order to gain its value, to know what the value was of money. Our money is worthless. It's paper. It doesn't have any true intrinsic value, but silver and gold do. And they weighed the silver and gold. But there were those who knew how to cheat the scales. And God hates an unjust scale. His word says so. I don't have the text for that. But we are to keep our thoughts right in His sight. We're to keep our thinking conformed to the will of God. Approved of or acceptable to God. But thinking of, pondering, contemplating sin is the opposite of thinking of things that are just. God doesn't want us thinking of and pondering and considering those things that he disapproves of, whatever they are, and we can't excuse it. Our thinking is to be on resisting the devil, overcoming temptation, and repenting of sin. His word makes that clear. We're not to excuse it. We can't say, well, I was born this way, whatever way that is, Or it was my environment. I was raised in a situation like this. In fact, we have a brother in our congregation who proclaims his testimony and says, God took me out of that. Yes, I was raised in circumstances that took me beyond where anybody should go, but God took me out of it. He saved me from damnation. And I can say the same. God saved me by his grace. And I think about that. Not resisting the devil, not overcoming temptation, not repenting sin, and excusing it is hypocrisy. Plain and simple, and that's what Christ criticized the most. Think about it. The next thing to think about are whatsoever things are pure. Purity is not fashionable today. That's old. Purity. Been repressed for a very long time. We don't need to be pure. After all, we're just better than them, whoever they are. And some fake pure, purity by being heavily involved in religious activity. And again, there are those who were criticized by Christ. Thinking on the things that are pure requires effort, because the entire world has become corrupt. The whole world has been corrupted. There's no place where you can go where you can get free from that corruption. It's in the whole world. Even human DNA is being tampered with and manipulated and defiled. Scientifically speaking, not going to go into the details of that, but if you want to know more, look it up. Don't take my word on it. It's happening right now. They're taking mice and blending them with people, and they're taking other animals and blending their DNA with people to see what they come up with. To God, that's not pure. In Psalm 12, we hear this. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth. Purified seven times. The words of the Lord are pure. And he tells us to think about what? Soever things are pure. In Psalm 19, in verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, it's written. Rejoice the heart. Excuse me, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And in Proverbs 30, in verse 5, We hear this, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do you want purity in your life? Study his word. Get his pure words into you. And it will work from the inside to purify you. Think about that. If God's words are pure and we're to think on things that are pure, what are we to think on? God's words. Proverbs 15 and verse 25, the first part reads this way. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. He tells us to think on things that are pure, not on things that he calls wickedness. In James chapter 3 and verse 17, it is written, But the wisdom that is from above is first, anybody? Pure. Pure, then peaceable, then gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without, what's the word? Hypocrisy. hypocrisy. Without hypocrisy. Without it. The wisdom from above. Our Lord said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And James reminds us to draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your hearts, you double minded. Think about it. Purify your hearts. The next item that we're instructed to think about are whatsoever things are lovely. Lovely things. Lovely things means friendly, acceptable, pleasing. And some would argue that God's boundaries for our thinking are not pleasing or acceptable. Some would say, well, why would God tell us to think on these things, but then they're not pleasing to us? You see, the focus is to be pleasing to God, not necessarily to us. Our Creator has all authority to set the boundaries, and His will is that we think on these things. The things that are lovely can be found in God's definition of love that's written in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and this is often referred to as the love chapter. Love suffers long and is is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's the things we're supposed to think about. That's how we're supposed to think. Our thoughts are to be guided by the love of Christ. What expression of love is greater than the love of God? Is there any? What better thing to think about then? Is there anything better to think about than the love of God? God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Think about it. Think about whatsoever things are of a good report. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones healthy. It takes right to the core of your being. The Scripture tells us. It goes right to a good report, sharing a good report. Now, I don't know how many times anybody here watches news reports. I don't watch that stuff anymore. No good reports. They're telling you everything that's wrong with the world. Who wants you to think about something opposite of what God tells you to think about? That's right. Who has the power over the airwaves? Satan, according to God's word. Who's controlling and manipulating the minds of the people to follow after all of those things that God says not to think about? Satan. Who's leading the world to destruction? Who wants nothing but the best for you? God. Think about that. What's the best good report ever? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That is the good report that we are to think about. And not just that good report, but let me tell you, folks, if you fill your mind with the Word of God, you're going to want to spill that good report out to everybody. You want everybody to get that good news. It's called the gospel. Think about it. It's the best good report ever. It's the good report that's motivated uncounted number of people since Christ to share their faith. And it continues to motivate countless people around the world, even under persecution. Think about it. Virtue is another thing to think on. And like so many of the other things that are listed there, this concept is largely lost in our modern society, at least in this country. If you look at the root word there, According to the Thayer's definition, it's a virtuous course of thought. Virtue. It's a virtuous course of thought, feeling, and action. Moral goodness. Any particular moral excellence as modesty and purity. Do you see how these are all interconnected? Modesty and purity. Truth. Honesty. We are to speak and think in a moral fashion. We're instructed to guard our thinking because according to Christ, whatsoever we think in our heart leads to that action. He said, if you lust after someone in your heart, you've committed adultery already in your heart. If you hate someone, he says, you've committed murder in your heart because it leads to it. We're instructed to guard our thinking because, according to Christ, whatever we think in our heart leads to that action. And this is why we're to think of the good and honorable and righteous things. Christ was sinless, He is pure. He lives within each of us, if in fact He does. I have to ask can He live in a defiled structure? Can he live in a defiled structure? He is sinless. He is pure. He is holy. Think about it. Our thought life is to include whatsoever things are praiseworthy. Whatever is commendable is food for thought. Think about those things that are praiseworthy. Whatever is commendable. One only needs to read the accounts of Christ bringing God's love and goodness into this world to think of praiseworthy things. God so loved the world. Is that not praiseworthy? That Christ came and sacrificed his life, is that not praiseworthy? And I'm not just limiting to that all the things that are praiseworthy. This is one of the reasons why we shout our praises to God because God inhabits the praises of his people. And we may not go on living every day of our lives thinking that somehow God has turned a blind eye to us whenever we're sinning against him and our thoughts are full of nothing but wickedness. We may not do that and expect somehow that God's going to turn his back and say, well, I didn't see that. He knows where we are. He knows what we're doing. He wants us to be pure. He wants us to be honest. He wants us to be truthful. He wants us to be sober. He wants us to be His children who are doing His will in His way, not our own. Not excusing our sin as somehow it's okay because... We're not permitted to excuse our sin. God doesn't excuse it. He forgives it. When we turn to Him, when we repent, turn away from that sin, we may not continue to live in it and expect somehow that we're going to get a free pass. It doesn't work that way. He makes it clear in His Word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture. We can't cut out the parts that we don't like. And he tells us what to think about. And if our thoughts are consumed with doing what he says not to do, we are not thinking the way he wants us to think. We're not within his boundaries. Our thought life is to be on him. He revealed the way, the truth, and the life. His Word is full of praiseworthy things. We only need to turn our attention to those things, to receive those things into our heart. We need to be reading, studying, listening to His Word, filling ourselves with His Word. There may come a time when all those little electronic Bibles that we have, whether they be on our telephones or on a tablet like this or on a computer, they may not be accessible to us. And these books that we call the Bible, these could become scarce. They are in many places in the world. But it's full of praiseworthy things. Think about it. What occupies your thought life? Where are your thoughts on any given day, any given night, what are you thinking of? Are you thinking of the next time you're going to get to commit that sin that you so much enjoy? Because if you are, you need to repent of it. You need to turn away from it, folks. I'm telling you, the time is short. The time is short. If your thoughts are occupied on all of those things that God says not to occupy your thoughts with, you need to turn from that. You need to ask Him to take it away. You need to turn because His Word says so, not because I say so. His Word says, Repent. I'll remind you of a few things as I wrap this up. And to sum it up, I want you to understand God's Word makes it clear that we are to think on things that are true, that are noble that are lovely good reports virtuous things and those things that are praiseworthy is what we're thinking is it praiseworthy could we shout it as a praise in the congregation of the saints is it noble is it lovely is it true is it a good report is it virtuous because if what we're thinking is not those things, then we are outside of the boundaries of Scripture. If we're thinking about how we're going to do whatever it is that we really enjoy doing that's outside of the, the boundaries of Scripture, and we're way off base, folks. We are not where we think we are. His Word makes that clear. And His Word tells us not to fear. Don't think about all those things you fear. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's His Word. No matter what the world or the enemy throws at you, remember the biblical parameters for our thought. And I wrestle with this. I'm confessing my sin. There are times whenever my mind wants to go to anxiety. And I say, no. Be anxious for nothing, the Word says. Those are our Biblical parameters, the boundaries for our thinking. Remember that God's Word is there to uplift and encourage and protect you, even those things that He tells us to think about. Don't think about the things that you can't change. Remember, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. God, grant me the courage to change the things that I can And God, give me the wisdom to know the difference. Christ is all of those things that God tells us to think about. He's true. Christ is honest. Christ is just. Christ is pure. Christ is lovely. Christ is the good report. Christ is virtuous. Christ is praiseworthy. Think on Christ. If then you were raised with Christ, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Think about it, folks. His Word says, think about it. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that I have proclaimed the good news of your word, the good news of righteousness in this assembly. Indeed, Lord, I do not restrain my lips. You yourself know. I've not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I've declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from this assembly. Father, I ask that you would seat your word deep within our hearts, that each of us, Father, would turn to you and you alone, that we would not set our mind on earthly things, but on heavenly things. Help us, Father. We are weak, but you are strong. Help us to be anxious for nothing. Help us to seek you in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Help us, Lord, to make our requests known to you, and help us, Lord, to receive your peace, which surpasses all understanding, to guard our hearts and minds, that we would think on the things that you have provided in your word for us to think on. Through Christ, I pray, and all of God's people said, amen. To God be the glory.